great uncle Mary, and nobody ever quite dared to ask. He did not look in the least like his name. He was tall and straight, with a lot of very thick, wild white hair. In his grim brown face, the nose curved fiercely like a bent bow, and the eyes were deep-set and dark. How old he was, nobody knew. Old as the hills, father said, and they felt deep down that this was probably right. There was something about Great Uncle Mary that was like the hills, or the sea, or the sky, something ancient, but without age or end. Always, wherever he was, unusual things seemed to happen. He would often disappear for a long time, and then suddenly come through the Drew's front door as if he had never been away, announcing that he had found a lost valley in South America, a Roman fortress in France, or a burned Viking ship buried on the English coast. The newspapers would publish enthusiastic stories of what he had done, but by the time the reporters came knocking at the door, Great Uncle Mary would be gone, back to the dusty piece of the university where he taught. They would wake up one morning, go to call him for breakfast, and find that he was not there. And then they would hear no more of him until the next time, perhaps months later, that he appeared at the door. It hardly seemed possible that this summer, in the house he had rented for them in Terrific, they would be with him in one place for four whole weeks. The sunlight glinting on his white hair, Great Uncle Mary scooped up their two biggest suitcases, one under each arm, and strode across the yard to a car. What do you think of that? he demanded proudly. Following, they looked. It was a vast, battered estate car, with rusting mudguards and peeling paint, and mud caked on the hubs of the wheels. A wisp of steam curled up from the radiator. Smashing, said Simon. Hmm, Mother said. Well, Mary, Father said cheerfully, I hope you're well insured. Great Uncle Mary snorted. Nonsense. Splendid vehicle. I hired her from a farmer. She'll hold us all anyway. In you get. Jane glanced regretfully back at the station entrance as she clambered in after the rest. The red-haired dog was standing on the pavement watching them, long pink tongue dangling over white teeth. Great Uncle Mary called. Come on, Rufus. Oh, Barney said in delight, as a flurry of long legs and wet muzzles shot through the door and knocked him sideways. Does he belong to you? Heaven forbid, Great Uncle Mary said. But I suppose he'll belong to you three for the next month. The captain couldn't take him abroad, so Rufus goes with the grey house. He folded himself into the driving seat. The grey house, Simon said. Is that what it's called? Why? Wait and see. The engine gave a hiccup and a roar, and then they were away. Through the streets and out of the town they thundered in the lurching car, until hedges took the place of houses, thick wild hedges growing high and green as the road wound uphill, and behind them the grass sweeping up to the sky. And against the sky they saw nothing but lonely trees, stunted and bowed by the wind that blew from the sea, and yellow-grey outcrops of rock. There you are! Great Uncle Mary shouted over the noise. He turned his head and waved one arm away from the steering wheel so that Father moaned softly and hid his eyes. Now you're in Cornwall, the real Cornwall. Logres is before you. The clatter was too loud for anyone to call back. What's he mean, Logres? demanded Jane. Simon shook his head, and the dog licked his ear. He means the land of the West. Barney said unexpectedly, pushing back the forelock of fair hair that always tumbled over his eyes. 
It's the old name for Cornwall, King Arthur's name. Simon groaned. I might have known. Ever since he had learned to read, Barney's greatest heroes had been King Arthur and his knights. In his dreams he fought imaginary battles as a member of the Round Table, rescuing fair ladies and slaying false knights. He had been longing to come to the West Country. It gave him a strange feeling that he would in some way be coming home. He said resentfully, You wait. Great Uncle Mary knows. And then, after what seemed a long time, the hills gave way to the long blue line of the sea, and the village was before them. Tewissick seemed to be sleeping beneath its grey slate-tiled roofs, along the narrow winding streets down the hill. Silent behind their lace-curtained windows, the little square houses let the roar of the car bounce back from their whitewashed walls. Then Great Uncle Mary swung the wheel round, and suddenly they were driving along the edge of the harbour, past water rippling and...